0: the four-point plan it is sunday february twenty eighth, two 2021 and we are back here again at the four-point plan i hope everybody out there is doing awesome i know i am i am jr a drug counselor in los angeles california here to share with you the magical beautiful formula of the four-point plan that can help you get clean and sober, stay clean and sober, and find a life beyond your wildest dreams. This is episode 35. Who could believe that for 35 weeks? That we would be here talking about a four-point plan. You think it would just take four weeks and we'd be done, but no, 35 weeks we've been on the podcast talking about the four-point plan that could save your life and can change your life. This is a big deal, people. There are a lot of people who think, man, I don't know if your four-point plan works. Well, let's give it a look. Let's see if this thing might work. Number one, you want to do 90 minutes in 90 days. Number two, you want to get a sponsor and use that sponsor. Number three, you want to find a home group and never miss your home group and number four you want to find service commitments a way to get back to the meeting does it work yes it fucking works anybody that says it doesn't work is an asshole all right so here we are i'm jr i told you who i am i want to tell you who my friends are i am joined as always by my my fearless co-host uh first let's say hi to guy guy say hello to everybody <laughs> hello everybody damn jr your voice you're really loud today i like you it are. I'm going to turn your microphone down a little bit. Yeah, you're no, a little I, loud, huh? You're a little yeah, loud. That's, I like thing. I can hear them. Awesome. And also today we are joined, as always, by my friend Sean. Sean, how are you doing on the Four Point Plan, buddy? Four Point Plan is going good. Thanks for having me back on the show this morning. I have you on the show every week. <laughs> you don't have to thank me. You're the star yeah, yeah. of the show, buddy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm excited, man! It's it's it's, nice. uh, Thanks, man. The winter, the winter, I think is over. It's the last day of February. I think March is when we jump into spring. Things are going to start getting warmer and nicer. But you never know with the global warming, man. I mean, Punxsutawney Phil said there's going to be six more weeks of winter, so I'm not (laughs) sure what to believe. But uh, I'm feeling pretty good right now because it's been warm for a couple days here in Los Angeles, and you know, that's why i moved to los angeles so i could be warm it's you know that's why i did heroin so i could be warm <laughs> not not much out there in the world to warm me up like some heroin also not much in the world that get you arrested like some heroin so over and uh, over and over maybe not too much of that <laughs> hey guys i am super stoked man about being sober today about having worked the four-point plan finding a life beyond my water yeah. streams. But I heard some things this week. I've been attending meetings and I heard some things, man, that made me concerned, got me very concerned about people's thoughts about the four point plan, people's approaches to sobriety, people thinking that maybe it's not for them. Maybe there's alternative methods. I don't know, man, but I heard this uh, at a meeting on Friday night from a, a pretty sharp kid, man. He had a, I think he had six, seven years clean, maybe eight. And, uh, he was talking about some of the people that don't, don't get it, man. And what they do is they come into the meetings and they say, well, you know what? AA is not for me. Right. And I, Whenever I hear someone say, well, you know, Hey, it's not for me. I think, well, what is for you? Maybe, maybe NA, maybe narcotics anonymous is for you, or maybe even you're one of those funny people and it's CA you want to try the cocaine anonymous. Right. And they'll be like, no, you know what? I'm a little more interested in the smart recovery. I'm like, what the fuck is smart recovery? The cognitive behavioral based form of support that you can get in meetings. We don't have sponsors and we don't do 12 steps, but we all get together and we, we think it out and you don't have to be sober. You just want to stop having negative consequences from your drinking and using. Wow. That sounds like a terrible fucking idea to me. That just sounds like an awful, like, oh, I'm going to go to a group of people. They're going to co-sign my bullshit and tell me how to drink successfully. Fuck me, man. I could get that at the bar. I could go to the bar and be like, hey, guys, I'm, I'm afraid I got a drinking problem. They'll be like, oh, no, you don't. You're fine. Have another. And there you go. You got all the counseling you needed. That sounds like a fucking smart recovery meeting to me. I don't know. But then there's other, there's other forms of recovery. What I like to tell people is, yes, not everybody gets sober in AA. There's other ways to get sober in AA, or then in AA. Like uh, Johnny Cash, world-famous Man in Black. Johnny Cash. You know Johnny Cash? Uh, I'll fill into a burning ring of fire. Johnny Cash, right? Johnny Cash got sober by going to prison. So I like to tell people, you know, <laughs> if you don't want to do AA, you could always go to prison and get sober. So there are alternatives, but I don't know which ones are going to be the best choices. I hate it when people say AA doesn't work for everybody. I'm like, what the fuck do you mean AA doesn't work for everybody? AA works for everybody who works it, everybody who works it. If you're going to sit there and tell somebody, oh, well, you know, you might be one of the special people that AA don't work for, you could be fucking killing them, giving them some bullshit advice like that. Instead, say, oh, well, if you didn't like AA the first time, maybe try a different meeting, maybe get a little bit more involved. I fucking get it, man. I went to meetings, I went to NA meetings for seven years while I was getting loaded. I couldn't stop using, but I kept going and I would leave saying, Fuck those people. They don't understand. If they had a life as hard as mine, they wouldn't be able to stop using heroin either. That's what I would say. I believe that shit to my core. Those innate people, they're not like me. They can't understand where I come from. I'm special. I'm different. I need to keep using, right? I, I thought that way. I was a slave to my addiction. Addiction fucking owned me. So it didn't matter what the people in the meeting said because in my brain... All I could think was, I got to get another one. And so someone could tell me brilliant shit. They could tell me beautiful shit. Murray, when I was loaded, Murray, my old grand sponsor, used to tell me, I love you, JR. Keep coming back. And in my mind, I was like, whatever, fucking whatever. I'm just going to do heroin. Right? It's a disease. It lives in your brain. How the fuck do you fight a brain disease? It ain't fucking easy. I'll tell you that. But what did work for me was repetition. It wasn't by going and finding some other program that was going to co-sign some bullshit for me. I went to NA where people told me, you're fucking up. Stop getting fucking loaded. I would get loaded right before I went to the meeting. I would go and sit at the table in the meeting, and then I would bleed on the table. I would move my arm, and I would look down at the table, and there would be a pool of blood there dripping out of my fucking arm because I just shot up five minutes before I walked in the meeting. So... I get it, man. I get the thought and the feeling and the belief that, oh, it's not working for me. These meetings aren't working for me. I get it. But you got to fucking do what they say. You got to not pick up no matter what. You got to get a sponsor, man. You got to go to a meeting every day. You got to get a home group. You got to get a commitment. It's by doing those things, man, that you at least get a glimpse of hope, man. If you could get a day clean by doing that, it all starts with one day clean, man, and one day clean for an addict or alcoholic is a fucking miracle. If you're listening to my podcast and you got one day clean, you're a fucking miracle, man. And maybe if you do what you did to get one day clean for two days, you can get two days clean. This thing works and it fucking works for everybody. And that's what I want to talk about today, because I'm pissed off at hearing people say, oh, well, it's is up for me. Fucking do, fucking do it. Do it for a year and fucking prove to me that AA sucks balls, all right? Go ahead, fucking prove it, because I'll tell you what'll happen. If you go to a meeting every day for a year, your life will fucking turn around, and it'll become marvelous and beautiful, and you'll quit talking all that shit. I was a fucking homeless junkie, man. I fucking slept on the street, and because of fucking getting sober and doing the four-point plan, I now have a life that I never dreamed of, man. I, I live in a beautiful home. I drive a nice new car, and... These are things that, uh, like I have insurance today. These are things that normal people take for granted, man. But for me, I don't because I know what it's like to fucking live outside or live in a car or live in a garage or to fucking take my bedroll and hide it in a public garage during the day and go get it at night so I could sleep outside on the fucking street. I know what that fucking life is like. And the fact that I have so much more today in my life is a direct result of getting clean and staying clean, man, in the program, in a in a, Because I got fucking sober, my life is awesome. So if someone wants to tell me, well, AA doesn't work, no, man, what, what you're really saying is, I got a disease in my brain that doesn't want me to stop drinking. That's what you're fucking saying. That's what I believe. I mean, you guys might believe different, but I believe when someone says, well, you know, AA, they have terrible success rate. Motherfuckers, I'm convinced AA's got 100% success rate for people who do what we say. What about the four-point plan? What kind of success rates that got? Motherfuckers, I know more people got clean off the four-point plan over the last five years than any other method, okay? So don't tell me it don't work, because I've seen it work. I've seen it work for Guy. I've seen it work for Sean. I've seen it work for several others. This thing works, man, and it saves lives, and it gets people off of being homeless and into a nice house. And, and having their family back and having a life beyond their water streams, it fucking works, man. So every time I hear someone say, "Oh, it doesn't work for me," I get fucking pissed, man. I get pissed, but you know what? I got compassion and I got love, and I'm like, ah, oh, keep coming back. That's what they told me, man. When I was being a little bitch about it, they said, "Keep coming back." <sighs> That's my rant. Guy, I know that you got some fucking alternative viewpoints. What do you think about when people say, well, AA don't work for me.
1: All right, here we go. If someone if someone does say it, maybe it's possible. They can do it on their own. How about that? You know, if you look at it that way, all right, AA doesn't work for you. You want to stop using or or drinking it's not going to work for you <clears throat> then just stop if you can do it on your own then do it on your own that's what i can tell somebody if you have if you see that you can't do it on your own you keep you're trying you're trying really hard and you're not successful then maybe try doing something that other people have been that's worked for them so some people, they might, they say, all right, it doesn't work for me. Because I believe that maybe it is inside their head, like you were saying, that, that says that, no, I don't want to go here. I don't want to do anything that anybody suggests in front of me. I get that. I was the same way too. No, they're not like me. I was, I was so different than anybody else in the, in the meetings when I first went. I was exactly like what you said, JR. No, they don't know what it's like to be me. I'm different. I'm different. <laughs> Fuck, man. I was so different that I thought it was okay to just keep drinking myself to death. <clears throat> but, all right, if it's not for you, then just stop on your own. You know, that's one way I can tell it to somebody. I don't know, it's... They need to, you need to do something. If you know it's a problem and you really know that you want to stop, you come up with something then. And if your way's not working, we'll show you a way that's worked for millions of people.
2: I also was very different when I came in. I didn't believe I was even an alcoholic or even really had a problem when I first came in. I just did it because I didn't, I don't know. I came in, and you know, I was like you guys. I thought I was different. I did not think I needed it. Maybe so. Maybe I didn't need the, the the program to to help me stay sober. But the emotional sobriety is what was the most beneficial for me. That I got out of it, it helped me look at my past. It helped me, you know, clean up all that wreckage and you know make amends to all the, a lot of people that I, I uh, that I ruined and destroyed and brought down. You know, in smart recovery, I don't really know too much about it, so I can't really talk shit about it. But it does sound like it's for pussies, and I don't I feel comfortable saying that because I don't believe anybody who is on smart recovery is listening to this anyway. So if you are, you are a pussy. Stop being a pussy and start doing the four point plan.
0: Yeah, four point plan, bitches.
2: <laughs> but
0: yeah, like like I said, if,
2: if you think you're if you think you're different, then you can stop on your own. You don't need meetings. So that means you're a normal person, or a normie as we like to call it, and you probably don't need the meetings, because you're probably not destroying people's lives and crashing cars and going to jail every other day. <laughs> every <The> other day? <laughs> so yeah, I mean, yeah, if you don't need it, then eventually you will. Keep, keep trying other ways until nothing else works. And then you'll come back here and realize that the four-point plan does work.
0: You got to go, man. You got to go just to check it out. Like I went for a long time while I was loaded. And I believe that that experience that I heard some things and, and I made a learn some things through asmosis. You know what that is, right? That's when you learn something from having your ass in the meeting. It's called asmosis. Okay. So I think I learned some things from asmosis and I kept coming back. Murray kept saying, "We love you, Jr. Keep coming back." And then one time, uh, I went to the meeting. I raised my hand. I was like, "None of you motherfuckers know what it's like to be me. Nothing you say is gonna help me stop doing heroin. You just sit here and bitch about your problems, about your dog and your kids and your car. I ain't got none of that shit. I just can't stop doing heroin. You guys don't fucking understand." And I stomped out. Right. <laughs> and then the secretary followed me out. And. And said, saying, keep coming back. You know what he said? He said, could you stop coming back? <laughs> yeah. I was the guy. I was the one guy. And NA was like, well, we don't really want you
2: here. <laughs> Maybe you should try Smart Recovery, JR.
0: Yeah, but have you considered going to Smart Recovery? Because <laughs> NA doesn't really like people like you. I was like, fuck you. I'm glad I bled on your table. <laughs>
2: And goddamn down
0: somebody with a commitment to clean those tables up after. It's, uh, the program works, man. And, and the people that I know that have the longest periods of sobriety, I went to a meeting my first year with a guy who had 32 years clean and he took a birthday cake and he got up to the front to give his big birthday speech. And I was like, 32 years. I got to hear this. I like this guy. Can't wait to hear what he says. Shortest birthday speech of all time. He said, yeah. I just want to say this program works. And that was it and walked off. <laughs> so if that dude's got 32 years clean, and he says it works. I'm just going to say it fucking works, man. And the people that say, oh, it's not for me. You know what? Well, you know why they say AA is not for them? I think I know why they say it. They say <clears throat> AA is not for me because fucking drinking is for me. What I'm into is continuing to fucking drink myself to death. I like jails, institutions and death more than I like AA. So really when someone comes up with, uh, it's not for me and some people will always have to use something. No, that's just fucking, that's people choosing death, choosing jails, institutions and death. We should all get those fucking wham, George Michael t-shirts that say choose life. And we should do the jitterbug all day and just tell people choose life instead of choosing fucking death and doing fucking drugs and continuing to drink yourself to death. Especially now, man, it's 2021 you guys know what they got out there? It's called fentanyl. As a matter of fact, they got a fucking nickname for it. I just found out yesterday. Did you guys get my uh, my email yesterday? Did I send you the the, uh, the board? Someone was talking about doing fetties. And I'm like, fetties. what the fuck are fetties? You guys are getting high on confetti now? Or fucking what? One <laughs> fetti? What's, what, what's a fetty And he's like, oh, that's what they call fentanyl. Like, are you shitting me? They got a fucking nickname for fentanyl? Why don't they just call it Fucking nine out of 10 die that's what they should call it babies yeah so here it is 2021 and fentanyl has invaded the world and it's killing people left and right and people can't continue to fucking do drugs in this environment because it will fucking kill you they're putting fentanyl in heroin they're putting it in cocaine they're putting it in meth they're putting it in fucking weed imagine buying a bag of weed and fucking taking the toke And boom, you drop dead because there's fucking fetties in it. That's some fucked up shit right there, man. And I know, because I had to bury my brother with a fucking needle in his arm. I fucking know how bad it hurts, man, to have a family member go out and die from using fucking drugs, man. And we always say, don't fucking kill yourself with drugs because if you do, you're killing the wrong person. You don't have to be the addict that you are today for the rest of your life. You can get sober and stay sober. Fuck, you could do that by doing the four-point plan. Yeah,
2: 50 seems like it killed more people than the coronavirus has.
0: I don't think it has because the coronavirus has killed a lot of people. But I do know that I got clean 12 years ago. When I got clean, there were only something like uh, 15 overdoses a day, death by overdoses. And then now it's like over 200 a day. It's awful.
2: I don't think the lost guy,
0: but were you uh were you a fentanyl guy, Sean? No, that? I don't think I
2: don't think I've ever used it. I don't think I ever tried it. I think it came out after I uh, I mean I'm sure it was still it was out there, but no, I never I was strictly uh the black guy black, the name
0: the Uh black tar heroin. Yeah, black tar heroin. The fentanyl I think came out later, but mm-hmm. it just but, keeps uh it just keeps gaining uh, traction, you know. It just keeps getting more and more popular. For a while, what it was was people accidentally got fentanyl in place of heroin, or they would buy heroin and it would turn out to be fentanyl. I yeah. had a kid; um, he had fallen asleep behind the wheel of his car. So, uh, at the par- in our driveway, uh, he was parked like sideways, blocking the driveway. No one could drive around him and walked up to the car and he was asleep in the driver's seat and i immediately said to uh, my friend who was with me i said uh he could be dead it looks like he might have overdosed and uh we banged on the window and then some more people came out we opened up the door and brought him woke him up he, we got him up and parked the car and got him out and I was walking with him and he said, Oh man, that must've been fentanyl. And I laughed. I said, do you think? Cause uh, he thought he was sitting down smoking some heroin and he didn't realize it was fentanyl and it was killing him. He almost died. If we hadn't come to him as car when we did, he probably would be dead. So this shit is out there and it's super deadly. And I don't want fucking people making the mistake of thinking, well, A's not going to help me. So I'm just going to keep doing fentanyl because that's choosing death. That's what I was joking about. but I'm dead serious about this. You are choosing to not try to live. If you choose to continue to use man, using is losing using is fucking dying. And when I was new every day, I thought about that, man, that man, I don't know if I want to be sick today, if I want to stay clean today, but I know I don't want to die. And if I use I will die so you know every day I went to meetings and I had that idea in my head and eventually uh, eventually I didn't want to use anymore so yeah, that's exhausting exhausting lifestyle
2: like me it brought me to jails and brought me to to treatment and it brought me just to do de- this dark dark demoralization period where it was um, it, it was terrifying you know and you know I've been to you know, especially like with the fentanyl. Like, I didn't. Know he knows what, what's in it. You know, you just get it, and next thing you know, you're liquefying it, and hopefully, you're going to be alive a few minutes later. But there was a lot of people that I was hanging out with that that died, that overdosed. I remember this one guy. His mom found him in his room, and it was too late. You know, like he walked in there, she walked in his room to say good morning or whatever, and he just was unresponsive and blue. And you know, turns out he was, he was shooting up fentanyl. and, by himself and just did a little bit too much, and it wiped him out. But yeah, you don't need nobody needs to go out that way. You know, I mean, he was young, and you know that was right before I got sober. And so I mean, a lot of those, a lot of those situations like reflected, not reflected, but it had an impact on my sobriety because I, I don't want to, I don't want to see people die like that, and i never, I don't want to die like that. And, you know, like that one day when I was at work, that one guy OD in front of our in front of the building, and we had to him CPR. And, like if we didn't happen to be there, if I, he would die. It's, 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 it's super, the disease is real and it's there to kill you.
0: I believe the guy that said that no addict ever needs to die from the horrors of addiction. I believe that. So no one needs to die from this. Uh, Sean, I want to know uh, if I can't get people to even go to one meeting, right? What was it that finally got you? to buy in and just start going to meetings every day. You still go to almost uh, every day, a meeting. And, uh, what did that for you? Is there any magical formula that I can use to get people to do what you did to stay sober? people have to be willing. I think willingness is number one key. It has to be willing to try and it has to be
2: willing to to be open-minded to, to whatever the, the program that, because I can only, you know, talk about what, what worked for me. And, you know, when I got my sponsor, this is, this is, he's like, if you want me to sponsor you, this is how I stay sober. And this is what I expect you to do. And I said, I'm willing. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. Because I needed, I mean, I needed structure. And what made it work was, there was no other way. Like, I didn't, I didn't want to try another way. I didn't want to try to do half measures anymore. I was tired of looking for loopholes. I was tired of trying to manipulate, you know, my trying to control everything my way, and I was I was just done. I was exhausted. I was desperate. And I just said, I just oh, just finally, just let go. And
0: that's. when you realize the AA that you went to was more structured? It required more meetings and more commitments than other AA. So, I mean, that that was a big step to take to to go into a quality of life, which is a lot harder than regular AA. Yeah, well I didn't really, I don't think I realized
2: it at the time, but by the time I already made the commitment with my sponsor, it was it was done and I didn't want to let him down. And you know, I'm kind of a people pleaser, so I kind of just dove into it and I just did whatever it takes, whatever it took. And, and I understand that people are like, oh, I have to work and I have to, you know, I'm trying to go to school. And people always use that excuse to try to get out of meetings, but there is a way to make it work, trust me. I did it for my 90 my 9090, 90, I did it, it was like I had to rearrange. My whole whole life for AA because AA had to come first. My sobriety had to come first because everything else is a byproduct. And nothing else mattered unless I had my sobriety. Like it took me a while to realize that. I remember there was one time I tried to go. There was a concert. and I think I shared about this before, but I wanted to go to this concert on Saturday night. My sponsor told me, "Was yeah, sure, you can go find a new sponsor." What concert? Maybe, I can't remember. I think it's Journey or something.
0: Devo. Journey or Devo. That <laughs> <No, I> wasn't Journey, <laughs> but
2: I was one of those concerts <laughs> in the park. Like wasn't that wasn't that big of a deal? It was just like a. One of those ones uh, at the concerts in the park.
0: At, you know. Oh, the Journey cover band. Don't they stop could. believing. DSB. Uh, I don't know who it what was.
1: Gr. You know what? <laughs> you know that one?
2: Oh yeah, I know that one. <laughs> uh, it might have been like Prince or whatever the cover band was for. It wasn't even that big of a deal. But my point is, it doesn't matter who it was. Yeah. That I had to, I I asked him if I could go to it, and he said, "Sure, you can go and find am sponsor." And if I got a little resentment, I'm like, really? Like, I just did, don't you know, I just did four months of treatment and, like, I just got out and, you know, it was it. I made a commitment to to go to that meeting on that day and and I canceled the concert and I went. And not only that, like, I, I wanted to do school, like, I enrolled in school and I actually had to cancel my enrollment so I could do my 90-90 because that's what he told me to do. And at first I had a resentment. I'm like, no, I need to go to school. Like, don't you know, I have to, you know, get my life back and I have to make money and I have to, Get check He said, charm, you have to slow down. I need you to cancel registration and, and you have to do your meetings for the first 90 days, all that will come, I promise you. If It was my kids, like I couldn't see my kids that often and I had to put everything on hold to get my sobriety foundation first. And, I, and I'm thankful that happened. That looking back, it makes sense now, absolutely. There's a time I'm like, what's this one meeting gonna, what's gonna matter if I miss one meeting? Trust me, it matters. All those, I was trying to find loopholes, I was trying to find the easy way out. I was doing a half minute, it. I was just trying to find the easiest way. And, I, and I'm so thankful for my sponsor that that held me accountable and, and, and told me no and not let me do what I needed to do because I might still be sober, but I don't think I would have a strong silver foundation that I have today.
0: I remember when I had 11 years clean, I did 90 and 90. And I started going to quality of life with Sean. Yeah, I <laughs> and, that. and I was like, oh, man, now I got to go every day. Because if I if I miss a day, <laughs> Sean's going <know.">
2: yeah. so <laughs> cool, to know. It's cool, man,
0: to get yourself accountable. So I send you a seat every day. Every time i show up, people be like, hey, I saved you a seat. And I would always feel all special. I'd be like, oh, I got a seat saved for you. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. guy." so what I asked Sean, I, th- I think you were yep. back in time to hear this. Um, is what's that piece that finally made you willing uh to do commit, it to go to the meetings to, 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 to go to the meetings and use it to get sober? <clears throat> um I
1: find I finally came to a realization that all right, I'm gonna need to do what the people are doing that are continuing to stay in sober. I, I enjoyed getting some physical sobriety, it was awesome. Um, I had that little thing inside my head saying, "All right, I think I got it," you know. <clears throat> but no, so I knew I had to make, I had to make uh, a part of my life. Hey, you know who
0: says that? You know who says I got it? That think, dude that definitely does not got it.
1: Yeah, I know. I hate those words. Yeah, I think I, got, I think that. that guy's in detox right now. <laughs> He's <laughs> he got he got it. Bit. He got a detox. I got bit. it. I got it. <laughs> Leave me alone. Yeah, but luckily. You know, I knew I had to make a part of my life because I know how my mind works. It, it will go back to my, my old ideas and my old thoughts. And I know best. And I've, I felt that before in my life, you know, when it came, when it came to drinking and drugging for sure. Oh no, I feel good. You know, I just needed a little break. Oh, I, I'm fine. And then I wouldn't be fine. You know, I would go back. I have a
0: default mode of wanting to get loaded. You were not fine guy. Anybody that gets so drunk that they cannot find their car for a year is not fine. No shit. (laughs) And I was just
1: done doing it that way. And just, I just failed time after time after time. My life was miserable and miserable and miserable. So I knew I had to do it. Right. But to make that connection, to go to, to go to meetings a lot in that beginning, I'm lucky that I met a guy who became who was my my original sponsor, my first ever sponsor, and and it came. I had a, a story similar to Sean's where I I had to you know true we have to we have to support ourselves in this society, so I had to get a I had to get a job. I told him I said look you know I I have to like I this I have to make money. And he's like, yeah, you do. He said, guy, look, all you need right now is to get enough money to to put your ass in a sober living for a little while. And you got to make this your number one job. Going to meetings is going to be and building this foundation, making that connection with people you would talk about too. Building up that that support system around you. This is going to be, that's going to be your number one job right now. And this is what's going to keep this thing going for you. He that said, all that's the same thing Sean sponsor told him. All that stuff will come if, as long as you're staying sober. The minute you go back, it's all out the window. And that's a little bit of what, what made me commit. And then I started lacking a little bit. And then I came into touch with JR a little bit. And then I started, <laughs> I was a little hesitant on going to that 90 and 90. But, you know, I, I, that desperation just was there. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to go back. I do not want to go back. So I started saying, okay, I committed to to doing the four-point plan. I started, I went, committed to going to 90 meetings in 90 days. My sponsor was, he wanted me going at you know, at least to like four or five a week, right? He told me like certain meetings that I should be going to. And, um, you know, but the involvement maybe wasn't there. I was picking and choosing um, the home group. The home group was one that uh, JR helped me really understand about, about why it's important to have a home group, a meeting that I was going to each and every week At the same time, that's a home group, not just the one place I was going to my meetings at, but one particular meeting where I'm going to see the same exact people each and every week. That was huge for me too, because they started to get to know me. And I didn't want them to know me. (laughs) I did not want to get them them to know me. I would still just be like by myself, the lone wolf, you know, sitting over in the back. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Standing over here by myself, smoking or doing something, but they would—they got to know me, little by little, and I started letting them in little by little, and that's when a lot of this magic started happening, of building that connection.
0: You know, guy, you used one of the most important words there. You said when you got that desperation, and I would fucking hope you got some desperation. Guy has the fucking gnarliest story I've ever heard in my life. I was sitting there with a guy one day, and he said. Yeah, I slept in the gutter. And I, I thought, well, I've heard that before because it's like a figure of speech. People say sleeping in the gutter. I used to sleep uh, on this concrete block outside of a bank. And if someone asked me where you sleep, I'd probably say something like I slept in the gutter. But guy said, no, no, literally I slept in the gutter. I slept in the street next to a curb. And I'm like, wait, what? How the fuck does that happen? And he says, I would just drink and walk and drink and walk. And eventually the alcohol would be so intense that I would just lay down and go to sleep. And oftentimes that would be right there in the gutter. And I was like, dude, are you crazy? Someone could park their car and run over your head. That is fucking gnarly, man. That is scary as fuck. And that's exactly
1: what happened. Thank God you
0: got the desperation.
1: Right. That's exactly what was happening. I didn't know where I was going to go to sleep or pass out is, I was I didn't like choose to like lay down there it's just where my body's shut down and cars you know um a week week before you know I was waking up by by ambulance saying hey you know how many people almost ran you over right now and I didn't understand you know I was like no I told him no yeah, for mm-hmm. the first the first year, I I
2: stayed in desperation mode. Like I got I made I don't know I, I tried to keep myself in that mode of that I that I don't got this and I don't know it because you know because they call it the what they call it the pink cloud. It's when you you know you get a little bit of time silvered and all of a sudden you start feeling good and you're like oh yeah I got this I got this. But I tried to you better hope you got a sponsor when, when you fall to that that pink cloud give you parachute because without that because you're gonna fall. You gonna be in a pink cloud. You better have a pink parachute. You have your sponsor. Better you have sponsor, because when because this you're gonna fall from that cloud eventually. And, right. And so when, because I, I had the same feeling. You know, I was like, oh yeah, I feel great. I got 90 days. I got 120. I got. And then he started like, oh yeah, I got this. I got this. It's nothing. It's nothing. But I try to stay in desperation mode because I remember where it was the day I walked into treatment and. You know, this is the heartache I caused and, and everybody missing my kids and just, I, I didn't want to lose that feeling, but I couldn't stay in there for more, for too long because I, cause I you know, you don't want to stay in desperation mode. You got to stay in
0: desperation mode. Do you like fucking breaking your mom's heart? Is that something you're into? Do you dig like fucking hurting the people that love you the most? Because I fucking hate that shit, man. I hate the fact that the people that love me would fucking cry and fucking worry and be scared to death that that, they were going to have to fucking bury me because of my fucking addiction, man. I didn't like that. So what they taught me was the, well, what I got was that gift of desperation that you both you guys are talking about. I was so fucking desperate because I knew if I didn't stop, I was dead. There was no question in my mind. If I didn't stop, I was dead. So I had to go to 90 and 90. They, they didn't tell me, oh, well, do 90 and 90 if you have time. Do 90 and 90 if it doesn't conflict with your work schedule. That's not what they fucking said, man. They said do 90 and 90 or else you'll fucking die. And I believed them. I was fucking desperate. So I did 90 and 90. I'll tell you what, man. I talk to people now who are like, well, I didn't go to a meeting on Wednesday because I had to go to the DMV. I was like, I've been to the DMV. It's pain in the ass. Sometimes it could take a long time. You could be there for like three hours, and it's fucking irritating. But you know what? There's 24 hours in a (laughs) fucking day, so you still had plenty of fucking time to go to a fucking meeting. So for me, in my first 90 days, here's how it worked: if if I was working somewhere for 23 hours and I only had one hour, I would go to a fucking meeting and not sleep. Because the most important thing in the world to me was my recovery, the most important thing in the world to me was not dying the most important thing in the world to me was being good to the people who love me for the first time ever, you know, what I wanted was a new way of life and they promised me. uh, You can stop using lose the desire to use and find a new way to live. They promised me that and I was like really. Can I really find a way to live? Can I find a way to live where I can afford to pay rent? Can I find a way to live where people will employ me? Will I find a way to live where I'll take a shower every day? Is that a a way of life that I could really have? Because I didn't even think so because I wasn't doing it. I was a fucking homeless motherfucker with holes in my shoes who was fucking blessed every time I got a chance to take a shower. And that certainly wasn't every fucking day, man. And so I wanted a new life. I desperately... Desperately wanted a new life. And I wanted to live. I wanted to survive. So I found it in the 12-step programs, AA and NA, man. That's where I went. And those people fucking loved me. And I was fucking a diehard fucking gutter hype junkie who hated myself and hated looking at myself in the mirror and hated everything about me, right? So I went to this place where people loved me, man. And they built me up and they supported me. And they patted me on the back and when i got 30 days clean and they gave me a keychain they fucking cheered like crazy for me and when i got 60 days clean got a keychain they cheered even more and when i got a year clean man when i went on a thursday night june 24th uh, 2009 for my one year my one year birthday i went up to the front of the meeting to take my birthday cake and and to, to speak cuz we get to speak when we take our cakes And I turn around to speak and the people in the room had known me for, by this time, eight years. I told you I went to those meetings for seven years loaded. So they had known me for eight years and they were finally seeing me get one year clean. And they gave me a standing ovation. And I was so excited because for eight years I've been planning this birthday speech, right? (laughs) (laughs) But they wouldn't stop clapping for me to speak. They kept standing and kept clapping for what seemed like forever, probably for, you know, five minutes, something stupid. Like they just kept going. It was weird. I had never seen it for anybody else, man. And then to make it even more special, my my wife and my sponsor uh, threw a party for me. One of our home group's houses, one of our home group members had a house that he invited everybody into his house. And there were like a hundred people there and they all like, had a cookout and and i got lots of cards and and shit and they made me a uh, birthday cake with a little wrestling ring on it they had a little hulk hogan action figure and a little jimmy snooker action figure and it said happy one year champ and it was incredible man like the the amount of support i got for getting sober and staying sober was incredible it was my home group members and it was it was just the first reward, man. It was just the beginning of you know me not being homeless anymore and me not being shot out and strung out anymore and me not killing myself every day anymore because people loved me in the meetings. And if you're listening to this podcast, man, you're like, oh, I don't think AA is for me. It is, man. It is. I can tell you because I go to meetings with Sean and Guy. When people come in, we fucking love them. We love newcomers. It's just a thing, man. We want more dudes to come in and be our friends. We want to have a bigger group of friends and we want you to be a part of it. If you're struggling, man, and you can't stop using, we want you to fucking come be our friend, man. Come hang out with us. You know, we go to fucking amusement parks. We go to fucking haunted Halloween rides. We do fun shit, man. We fucking text each other memes all day. We are fucking buddies, man. I love these guys. And when I was fucking using, I didn't have no buddies. I had a fucking drug dealer. That's all I had, man. And so this is a a life beyond my wild stream, just having connection to people. I got a lot of people, man. I look at my phone and I look at my connections. And I got like fucking 500,000 people on my phone because it's all the people in recovery that I've gotten close to. And people will call me and people will trust me because they know that I'm sober, man. It's a different world. It's a different life. And I got it from the gift of desperation and going to fucking meetings, man. Going to fucking meetings. I know you don't think the AA is for you. It's for you, man. We promise it's for you. Fucking if I'm not cool to you, fucking guy will be cool to you. If you don't think guy's cool, you definitely don't think Sean's cool because Sean's one cool motherfucker. I'm just saying. <laughs> tell them, Sean, tell them why they need to go to meetings, man. Uh go to meetings, you're gonna die. You know, you need
2: to go to meetings before you drink a little bit too much before you shoot a little bit too much before you snort a little bit too much before your heart stops and uh, not only that like like going to meetings it it is it like like we talk about all the time connection you know connection is so important you know when i got there like i was kind of like guy i didn't want i didn't want you guys to know me i didn't want you to because i I didn't want to let anybody in because i figured you guys are going to judge me. You're not going to like me and what I've done in the past or where I've been. And, you know, I mean, when I got to my home group, it wasn't like that at all. I mean, any anything I go to, everybody's, for the most part, everybody lets you in and everybody wants to know you. And even if they don't want to know you, they're going to fake it and they're going to say, hi, how are we doing? They're going to shake your hand when you walk in. And, you know, for, for the first few months, yeah, I sat in the back and I didn't want to raise my hand. Like my heart would get all, you know, beating super fast because I didn't, want to be called on or I don't want to share because I, I didn't because I believed I was different but go keep I kept coming back and keep going and then I came to believe that I'm not different I'm not better than anybody you know a lot of humility came into place and and, and I realized that I, I, I can't do it on my own and you know Alcoholics Anonymous and the four-point plan is what helped me
0: stay sober stay sober and now we're just trying to give it back to you guys. Guy, why should we go to meetings, brother? How how can we convince these people that meetings are good and AA can't work for them? Because
1: if you really want to stop and you can't do it on your own, you might as well hang out with the people that have figured out a way to stop doing it. We find those people at the meetings. We get to know them. And they'll get to know you. They will. You know? They got to know Jr. for eight years. They didn't. They didn't give up, they, even though they did tell him maybe you shouldn't be coming to this meeting because <laughs> all you do is complain all the time. Go to a different one. But that—that that was one guy. You know, one guy told him that, right? <laughs> but they kept letting them come back, and he kept doing it. And then he got serious about it. Um just like I think what we did too. I got serious about it. I didn't just rest on my laurels, which means I didn't just, just didn't go to it for a few months and then, okay, I think I'm good now. No, I just kept going and I kept going to more. I started going every day. I started going to one meeting that I just really enjoyed every week. I got to know those people. They got to know me. Uh I think the four point plan builds a connection with other people that have solved this, this problem that we got up in our heads. And it's a beautiful thing.
2: And Jared, the guy who told you not to come back, was he was that at your home group? Yes, he was. So, he was the, was the secretary
0: he, of the home group back
2: uh, before I got sober. So was he there that eight years later when? No, no, he relapsed. T- right? That's that's, that's that's what I was getting to. What a
0: shame. <laughs> the guy that told me don't come back, he stopped coming back. <laughs> I love the, the the meme that I read that says people that stop going to meetings never get to hear about what happened to the people that stopped going to meetings. There's a picture of someone with the toe tag. It's true. It's only so, a matter
2: of time, man. It's just it's okay. like, like for me, like when I was around 18, you know, I did some stupid stuff and I, I went away for a long time and I got, you know, California they gave out strikes and I got two of them when I was 18 years old so the odds have always kind of been against me you know for this you know for this long I've gotten pretty lucky but it's only a matter of time before I t- drink too much and do something in a drunken stupor, or take something from the wrong person I'm gonna end up going away for the rest of my life and that's what that scares me that was a big part of me staying sober too was growing up a little bit and realizing that oh fuck I'm not invincible and I, <laughs> there's a good chance that I'm gonna go away for the rest of my life if I don't stay sober. And that scares me quite a bit. Good. But it never did when I was young. You know, when I was 18, when I got out, you know, five years later, it, was, it didn't matter even though I had these and I was on active parole and it's, I still continued to drink and drive and do stupid stuff. And by the grace of God, or something bigger than me kept me out from doing them a long, long time. Yeah. Mm.
0: Pretty scary stuff, man. Well, you know what they say. They say we are people in the grip of a continuing progressive illness whose ends are always the same. Jails, institutions, and death. And there is no question that Sean and Guy and Jr. would all be locked up in jail or in an institution or dead if we hadn't gotten sober. And the truth is, is I and mean, Guy would probably be dead. I would I'll probably be dead. I'll Sean would right probably right. be dead, but Sean might be in jail. I was thinking but jail, JR dead guy institution. <laughs> <laughs> all three. You got all three, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 guy might have gone crazy. Yeah. And, then, nah. and they might have arrested him for some of his outfits <laughs> and put him into in nut in house.
2: Yeah. You're, a you're like, no, it's not. It's April. Why are you wearing a clown costume? <laughs> guy I'm dresses like a clown. a clown. I'm
0: still in spirit. <laughs> It's true, man. As a man, if you think hey, AA isn't for you, fucking maybe you're right. But I, I don't believe it. So here's what I suggest. If you want to prove it to me, go to a meeting every day for a year and then come back and show me how your life sucks just as bad as when you started, because that ain't going to fucking happen. You go to a meeting every day for a year, you're going to come back to me and you're going to be like, God damn, you were right. That four point plan is the shit and fucking life is so much better, and I owe it all to fucking going to meetings and getting a sponsor and a home group and a commitment. This is how it works, baby. It's what we're talking about, a four-point plan to change your life, get you sober, keep you sober, give you a life beyond your wildest dreams. You can do it. I know you can. Sean, tell them, do the four-point plan. Do the four-point plan,
2: period, 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 period.
0: He's like that dude with 32 years. Like, this program works. It it works. Mic drop. Wow. (laughs) Guy, tell him to do the four-point plan, brother. Just do it, man. If nothing
1: else is working, maybe you should try this, right?
0: That's right. You should do 90 and 90. You should get a sponsor. You should get a home group. You should get a commitment. You should do these things because maybe – just maybe you get sober, you stay sober, and you find a life beyond your wildest dreams because you did the four point plan. Hey, tell all your friends to listen to the four point plan podcast. challenge, we go to fourpointplan.com to spell it out, man. Go on YouTube and look at the four point plan. We are doing this thing every week. This is episode 35, and we're still going strong, and we're still getting the message out there. Just stay sober, do four point plan. Ninety-ninety 90 sponsor of home group commitment. You can do it, baby. Yeah. <laughs>